What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for Panel to Panel, the podcast where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, to talk about all that nerdy news and comic goodness from our perspectives because there's not enough of us out there doing good shit like this. We're going to keep doing the damn thing. And you know, you know it's Pride Month, so you know we had to do it big. You know we had to go big with it. And as... We've already been recording good things already. At, like, here, here's how it's going to go, folks. You will have the main episode for the next, for the next four weeks. You will have the main episode of the, like, the, the normal issue. And then you will have a bonus episode with an interview from a creator that is queer. Because we had to go big and do the queer shit on the queer podcast. Because it's what we do best, God damn it! So you will see this episode... Uh, like tonight on Saturday, and then you will see a bonus episode on Monday with me interviewing Tate Bromble, the writer of, of great things like Barbellion Red Planet and House of Slaughter. And you will see, and like, and, like, and then next week you'll uh, see us co- covering uh, Snagglepuss, and then in the, uh, as well as the interview with Joe Glass. So we will continue with, with more things like that throughout the weeks. So get ready for that. Don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitch Radio, Spotify, um, Amazon Music and Audible, uh, Pandora, all those great places. So make sure you check us out. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good shit at P2P underscore podcast. We are posting more TikTok content and posting more Twitter content. We're trying to get Instagram going, so bear with us, but it's a work in progress. So make sure you follow and get ready for that. My name is James Porter. To my left, we have the person who went to Vegas without me, Ho, um, and didn't even get me. Um, very rude of him. Uh, very rude of him. Um, we have Travis Tucker, the Afro man himself. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm warming up my nectar collector for my dad break. Those who know, who know. Hey. Uh, <laughs> fucking hey. I'm, yeah, I'm doing well. How about you guys? Well, you went to Vegas without me and don't even acknowledge it, ho. Yeah, bomb ass Cajun food. I still got some shrimp and grits in the fridge. It's good. Man. Anyway, <laughs> we have the woman who be working hard with her resins and her things and making history videos, which are gonna that are going live and doing things. And with like who's doing who guiding the whole episode? I'm gonna let, I'm gonna just cut her loose for everybody. We have Mary. How you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are in for it today. Wow. Oh shit. But that's all but how, that's all I gotta say. It's like a just, just laugh. Alright, but alright. So we're gonna go ahead and dive into this. This first episode of uh, of Pride Month is gonna be a special one, folks. Because as we've already been hyping up on Twitter, it's the Batwoman episode, so let's oh, get to it. <laughs> Mary, how you doing? Oh, I'm very good, and um, no apologies for holding the two of you hostage. Oh, no, it's fine. I, 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 I planned this. It's fine. Well, you can plan your own kidnapping. It's pretty fun. I mean, considering that the outline for this episode is four pages. Um... Last I checked, people <laughs> pay good money for their own kidnappings. Right. Okay, so is there anything else you boys want to you, you you guys want to touch on before we get started here? No, no, I'm good. I'm here. Let's do this. Get it. Okay. Um, 
because she is my primary focus, I'm going to be talking almost exclusively about Kate Kane. Um, we're going to look at Ryan a little bit later in the episode. And I do want to kind of touch on the Golden Age stuff a bit here real quick. That oh, yeah. the the introduction I like to give people going into it is because when you look up that woman, Kate is not the one you see first. What we see first is Kathy Kane, who was introduced in the Golden Age after Frederick Wortham's very bizarre book, Seduction of the Innocent, where it lobbed accusations that Batman and Robin were homosexuals and were influencing children. So they were so comics, gay. So uh, I think it was still national at the time. DC's um, uh, the company they were before they were Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they introduced the character of Catwoman, who was meant to serve as a Catwoman-esque romantic foil for Batman. And she was Kathy Kane. And where the Kane name comes from is Bob Kane. But um, after Crisis on Infinite Earth, Kathy was wiped from continuity. And in 2006, we see Kate Kane. A fun bit of bat genealogy here. A um, couple of us actually did the genealogy. And I even like went to Mark Andrego and asked him. He was a Batwoman writer. <laughs> And Kathy Kane is Kate's aunt by marriage. Um, she married Kate's uncle because there were at least five Kane children. We have Jacob, Martha, a handful of others, yada, yada, yada. So Kate is not Kathy and Kathy is not Kate, if that makes any sense at all. They're two very different people. Um, in mm-hmm. continuities, she's been Kathy Webb because I believe that was her maiden but I'm getting a little off course here, but I wanted to go in that, you know, in the weird yellow and red costume, that's it's not Kate, it's Kathy. It's very confusing. So, um, a little bit of the overview. Kate Kane is Bruce Wayne's first cousin. Um, Bruce's mother, Martha, and Kate's uh, father, Jacob, are siblings. Um, they were cousins from the beginning beginning but it was it wasn't really touched on very heavily until the new 52 where it becomes an actual plot point and then in rebirth we really do see that family connection with going back to the wayne's funeral so um let's go ahead and start with kate's introduction in the weekly series 52 released in 2006 and i will attest that in all of dc comics you know the almost years of history of DC Comics. Let that sink in for, for you. That wow. we're, we're tiptoeing very close to, to 90 years and we're, you know, not... Well, we're getting close to 100. But... Um, it, 52 is probably the greatest thing DC has ever written in its almost 90-year history. It is a weekly series chronicling, quote-unquote, the lost year after Infinite Crisis. Um, Batman has fucked off to a cave somewhere, Wonder Woman has fucked off to a cave somewhere, and Clark is like, you know what, I'm just not going to do the Superman thing anymore. So, um... Like, I need a motherfucking break. So, we see what, you know, there there are several focuses, Gotham being one of them. Uh, they go to Condock for a while, 
Uh, we see Booster Gold mess around for a little bit, but I'm going to kind of narrow the scope on Brene Montoya, whose storyline in 52 is where we see Kate come in. Uh, Kate is introduced as a former lover of Renee Montoya's. And um, she, you know, Renee goes to see Kate because she needs a favor. Kate actually punches her in the face, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, and then around that same time, they run across the mysterious Batwoman. And I love that scene because, you know, you see the battering come in and, and Renee Montoya is like, I fucking knew he wasn't gone. And then you see Batwoman swoop in and Renee's like, oh, oh, no, I'm a homosexual. Like, that is not grand. <laughs> Because, like, the line of dialogue is, like, that's a fat woman. <laughs> and uh, Charlie, or Victor Sage, the question, this is kind of where Renee becomes the question as well, is, um, look, you know, the book's almost 20 years old at this point. Oh, God, I just realized that. Oh, I'm there. Uh, okay. It's so okay. okay. Welcome to middle age. In, in, about, in about four years, 52 will be 20 years old. <laughs> I was in high school. Um, uh, but, um, no, I actually wasn't in high school. I'm getting off track. I've had a lot of caffeine today, so apologies for that. Marry our caffeine instead of booze? This should be interesting. It's 6 p.m. Even I don't drink that early. <laughs> but we see, uh, they put together very quickly that Kate is Batwoman and Charlie is having a great fucking time with this. Cause he's like, Hey Renee, I think she likes you. And Renee's like, dude, shut the fuck up. One of my favorite characters in all DC comics. Um, but the most uh, significant thing we have to look at about a uh, look at with Kate in this time period is that she is not an official member of the Bat family. She oh. is, you know, Batman is gone. She has a lot of money. Me. You know, she was in you know she was in the military so she's like you know what i'm just gonna go punch some people um and <laughs> kate and renee in their comic history have had kind of a tumultuous history they were lovers um early on and uh that fell apart and their relationships have been disastrous throughout they are the epitome of lesbian baggage basically mm -hmm. and 52 actually has a novelization based off of the comic book and the i forgot to write his name in the outline but the guy who writes the novelization actually changed the ending a bit because in the end of 52 renee shines the bat signal up into kate's apartment she's like let's go like let's Red go Cox. people but in the book uh we'll, we'll touch on what happens to kate here in a few minutes but in the book renee is sitting in kate Kate's room and there's like this jazzy music playing and it's very romantic and they use a full cast of characters and like it's they changed the ending very slightly just to make it gayer like there was no reason to do this except to make it gayer and honestly I'm here for it now uh, in the early drafts of the scripts for 52 Kate's introduction was actually supposed to be Barbara returning as Batgirl and, um, you know, that's kind of why the cost. you can look at early versions of the costume and it looks a little Batgirl-esque, but, oh, the irony, it was scrapped in favor of keeping her as Oracle. <laughs> let, let, let's take a moment to absorb the irony of that situation. Um, 
in my uh, not so minor obsession with everything Greg Rucka has ever written, um, <laughs> I did get the chance to once ask him. And I was always very curious where the decision for Kate to be gay comes from. Um, you know, given Greg Rucka's largest, uh, large uh, library, he has always written a lot of LGBTQ characters, but he's written a lot of queer women. And I'm convinced that he was a lesbian in a previous life. And, you know, he was reincarnated as Greg Rucka. And he's like, you know what? I need to write about as many lesbians as possible. I typically get a little I typically get a little weird of like cis straight men writing queer women but like you would think he is one with the depth and complexity with which he writes queer women and I just think it's absolutely hilarious but I had the chance to ask and apparently what Greg said was that it was a directive that was handed down by Paul Levitz of all people and uh, oh. Greg said that he was absolutely delighted. And this is my edition, but and then he made it the gayest thing he could. I, you know, I added that last part. But <laughs> essentially, a move done by I'm using air quotes here. The boys upstairs um, felt that their superhero line needed to be more diverse and wanted to introduce a gay character. Now, granted, this is 2006. It doesn't really feel you know, pop culture-wise, it doesn't really feel that long ago to us, you know, to, to, like, the three of us, because we clearly have memories of that time. So it doesn't seem too long ago, but to look at the advancement of the placement of, you know, LGBTQ individuals in society from 2006 until now, it's become far more uh, representative on TV. Uh, film, not so much, but we can blame international box offices for that. But it has become, you know, queer storylines are becoming more and more available. In 2006, this really was not the case. DC, please hold your groans, uh, because if you look at the history of DC Comics, uh, they have a very long, very progressive history of bringing in LGBTQ characters. Uh, even going back to, like, the 80s. Um in the uh, New Guardians book from the 1980s, you know, they talked, we've talked about Extraño before. And one of the letters in the back of the book says that, um, you know, one of the editors is addressing a reader who wrote in. And um, the editor basically said that while Extraño is the first openly gay character at DC, he is not the first gay character at DC. So this is something that they've been working on for decades. Um, Maggie Sawyer was actually the first queer character to have a, I'm using quotes here, solo, not a solo book, but like a book that was a central focus on a queer character. It's a four-issue miniseries, and it deals with Maggie um, and the Metropolis Special Crimes Unit kind of running around doing some stuff. And a lot of it is very unapologetic with Maggie's sexuality and her partner at the time, Toby Raines. Uh, if you look at the GLAAD Award for Best Comic Book and you scroll back to the 90s and pretty much to the early 2000s, it is almost exclusively DC and almost exclusively Judd Winnick. But, um, you know, 52 isn't the first time that we see DC pushing um, queer narratives to the front. Obviously, you know, bringing back Judd Winnick, we had his Outsiders run, which was phenomenal. 
Amen. We've got Anissa, uh, Anissa Pierce and Grace Troy. Grace Choi, not Troy, excuse me. And um, you really do see their storyline actually played out very, very well in Black Lightning, the CW show. Since they ran out of Black Lightning source material and had to use Outsiders, cough, cough. Um, but just to kind of give you a larger scope of where DC was at at the time when we introduced Kate. Now, they're really not subtle. And Greg Rucka had previously done uh, Gotham Central a few years prior. And Renee was a very heavy focus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Renee was a very heavy focus in Gotham Central. And we really can't talk about Kate without addressing Renee. And honestly, they belong together. And I will firmly believe that until the end of time. <laughs> but so again, long-winded explanation, just to kind of give you a sense of where DC was at the time. This was not an introduction that went unnoticed. It was not an, oh, there's a gay character. It was oh, what, what is this? There's a gay character and she's a bat? What is going on here? Uh, like, having yeah, boy. A, a gay bat was big news. I mean, look at Tim Drake. When he came out as bisexual, it was big news. Now imagine really a bat character, almost, you know, being gay almost 20 years ago. It so, was pretty big. <laughs> I remember it was um, in Wizard Magazine back in the fucking day when Wizard Magazine was mm-hmm. a thing. I just totally dated myself and I don't care. Uh, sorry, I had to take a sip of water. But for DC readers, um, I always, 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 always encourage them to read 52 because it is damn fucking good. If you want a story that's not about the Trinity, that's not about the Justice League, if you just want to read DC characters in the DC, 52, 52, 52, 52. Also, because like Black Adam's coming out in a few months, and that's it's the only yes. reason why Black it's the only reason why Black Adam's having a movie is because of Fifty Two and Dwayne Johnson. Because yeah. um, and now, granted, Fifty Two was wiped from continuity at Flashpoint, but over the last several years since the beginning of Rebirth, they have slowly been pulling events from Fifty Two back into continuity, which I think is hilarious, and they just need to fully bring it back into continuity, and. Yeah. I'm not going to get too heavy into spoilers. Again, this book came out in 2006, but I do want to touch on the fact that in her introduction story, Kate had the most metal moment she has ever had. Towards the end of the book, <laughs> she and Renee are in a fight with Bruno Mannheim. And Kate, for a series of plot-related reasons, is chained to a stone bench and gets stabbed literally in the heart. Not near it, not next to it, in the, the knife pierces its way through her heart. And Renee's like, oh shit, fuck. And, you know, it goes to Renee and Bruno Mannheim's, expo- you know, waxing villainous about how he's going to destroy the world or whatever. And Renee says, you don't want to do that. And Bruno's like, try to stop me. And Kate, you know, you just see the little bubble from behind Mannheim. And it's like, she wasn't talking to you. And Kate pulls the knife out of her heart and throws it at Mannheim. And it hits him in the back. And she immediately kind of like, that probably wasn't a good idea. And passes out. But like a bitch knife out of her own heart. Like... 
I'm sorry. Like, and it's it's just so fucking metal, and I can't. I mean, she she got his ass, but like, she got her own ass too. <laughs> yeah, um, she barely survives, and she has a doctor friend and uh towards the end of the book the doctor friend's kind of like kate are you gonna tell me what the fuck happened why were you naked and why were you stabbed in the heart because before renee took her to the hospital she stripped off kate's costume and wrapped her in a trench coat and kate's like i don't know it's it's weird how stuff happens sometimes right (laughs) (laughs) oh my god but uh post 52 uh kate makes sporadic appearances um the largest being uh final crisis and its adjacent books uh she is a minor character in final crisis revelations which was a tie-in book about renee montoya as the question uh we see bits of kate and renee simping for kate (laughs) and then in five books of blood the crime bible we see kate and renee battling over the aforementioned crime bible which is a plot point in 52 we'd be here a little too long if i tried to explain it but it's also kind of a metaphor for their romantic future where um renee wants the book because she wants to get it away from kate she wants it as far away from kate as possible she's going to take the book and run and kate's kind of like give me the fucking book whatever's going on we can do it together and there's this really heartbreaking scene where renee is reaching for the book going i'm doing this for you and it's kind of there okay so you know we were trying during 52 but this is where we are now and renee's like you know kate's just kind of like fuck you and leaves and like it it breaks her heart. Um she had like two page appearances in Countdown like you see her there. She's briefly in books like Battle for the Cowl. You know, it's it's typically just kind of her standing there maybe with the odd line of dialogue. Um Don't forget about the more... best appearance ever. What did you say? Don't forget about her best appearance ever. Oh, please, why don't you share that with the class, James? Cry for justice! <laughs> no! <laughs> we don't she talk about appears, that. She appears on the cover for Cry for Justice because Cry for Justice was originally supposed to set up a new Justice League. <laughs> and Kate was going to be on this new Justice League. And then Cry for Justice was awful. Please see our previous roast of Cry for Justice. Because it is awful. But she's also it. in the book for five minutes where she kills, like, yeah. she, she fights, like, like a, a random freeze villain. And then the freeze villain, mm-hmm. like, commits suicide. And then she immediately, like, just leaves the book. She's like, nah, I ain't getting involved with yeah. y'all motherfuckers. Yeah. And um, but now Cry for Justice was so bad they canceled the entire plan. Yup. <laughs> and if you are a variant hunter, um, Final Crisis Revelations have some has some really cool Kate variants. So if you want to do some digging, they're not especially valuable. So you could go to a comic shop, dig through their back issues, and they actually might have it. Um, one of her more like weird appearances was during Batman and Robin Blackest Night. Uh, she shows up, she does some stuff, and gets crushed under a pile of rubble. And she's like, I'm pretty sure all of my limbs are broken. And Nightwing's like, no, it's not that bad. And she's like, I'm taking this morphine from 
your belt. And she ODs on the morphine. And there is literally a Lazarus pit like five feet away from her. And Nightwing just kind of like he just rolls her into the Lazarus pit. And I just for some reason it is just so fucking funny. And I have no explanation for why. But um, yeah, it was so good because <laughs> I remember buying the, the giant like Black as Night in, like anthologies and then just like grabbing that story. It was cracking up. <laughs> um, I feel like that's something that's kind of lost in the modern continuity is the relationship between Nightwing and Batwoman because uh, he's a supporting character in her subset of the Fifty Two books. You know, we see a few appearances that are just Kate by herself, and Nightwing shows up. And, um, you know, she's fighting some goons in an alley and she looks up and goes, are you going to help? And Nightwing pops down and he's like, no, you look like you got it covered. And he starts trying to flirt with her. And Kate's like, believe me, I'm not your type. And uh, he get he gets her an honest to God battering for Christmas. Like, so they had like kind of a cute little friendship that really hasn't been expanded on. And it's kind of disappointing, but it's because Dick is a hoe. I yeah, mean, he is. yeah, because he, he tries, and he's, he's real smooth. Hole. He tries, he tries to slide in, and Kate's like, <laughs> no. no, 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 no. But all the no. this, all of this leads up to Detective Comics, where um, for a period, Kate was given the spotlight in Detective Comics. It was actually called Batwoman in Detective Comics. Um, and this happened, I want to say 2010, just before Flashpoint is, um, you know, 2009, 2010. I'm, I'm, you know, ballparking here. But we kind of, you know, well, not kind of, but we get a look at Kate's past, her origin, and how she became Batwoman. Um, we set up her personal villains, her personal tragedies. She was kidnapped as a child, along with her mother and her twin sister, Beth. Uh, their mother is killed in the abduction, and it is believed that Beth is killed as well. Um, this is her first big brush with personal tragedy. Um, her father, Jacob Kane, who, you know, again, as I mentioned before, is Martha's brother, is a, you know, relatively mid-ranking officer. I want to say by the time Kate's a young woman, he's, he's a colonel, if not close to it. But both of Kate's parents were in the military. Um, and so it's just the two of them. And uh, when we kind of jump forward there to Kate when she's college age and she is enlisted in the army and is attending West Point. And I use air quotes around West Point because West Point is the Army Military Academy, but they couldn't say it in the book. You know, it was it's the usual shit. Mm -hmm. And she is at the top of her class. You know, she's going to graduate at least. God, I think they graduated second lieutenant or first lieutenant, but. Um, you know, she was setting herself up for a very long, very, you know, detailed career as probably what would have been a very decorated officer. But um, she is having a romantic entanglement with another cadet by the name of Sophie. Insert barf noises here. Um, the affair is discovered off page and we don't know we never find out who did it who turned her in whatever and kate is hauled into her co's office and this is where it has you know it is revealed to us that somebody has turned kate in and at this time 
uh, in U.S. politics, the don't ask, don't tell policy in the military was in the news. Because, you know, Barack Obama had just taken office a few years prior. And a big thing was removing don't ask, don't tell, which was put in place, you know, giving a bit of explanation for younger listeners and international listeners as well. That in 1996, um, there was something put, there was a law that was put on the books basically saying that, okay, if you're queer, uh, we will discharge you, but we're not actively going to go looking for you. You know, it, it is what it says it is. You don't ask, we won't ask you, you don't tell us. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work like that because it, parts of it were in conjunction with like the military honor code. And it wasn't full-on dishonorable discharge. They, uh, There were a lot of our, like military officials in the U.S. that really didn't like doing it because you're discharging soldiers for being gay, regardless of how good they were, how um, high-ranking they were, actually. Um, Margaret Kammermeyer was the highest-ranking officer discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I believe she was a colonel. So mm. it's not just like kicking kicking out enlisted people they're like they kicked out officers who were turned over and once it is brought to their attention they have to act on it they couldn't just wave it away but kate is given the opportunity to quote unquote admit that it wasn't what it looked like you know it was a momentary lapse in judgment she was just messing around she was kate was given an out and the CEO basically says, you're going to get busted. You're not going to be, you know, head of the class anymore. You're not going to be squad leader or anything like that. We're going to bust you down to the bottom, but you're still going to graduate and you're still going to be in the army. And in probably one of the most, um, like, one of the biggest moments in queer representation in comic books is Kate taking off her class ring, setting it on the desk, looking at her commanding officer, and she says, I'm gay. And she's out just like that. She's out. And, you know, a lot of people will talk about that moment very much in conjunction with North Star, you know, coming out in 92, I think. I believe so, yes. Something like that. So it's kind of, it, it's up there. And it is a very intense moment. And when you read the book, it is very emotional, especially if you're reading it for the first time. Um, ironically, I read it around that time. And I was close to a senior in high school at that point. And I was actually considering going into the Navy for their officers program. My dad was in the Marine Corps. So, you know, both of my grandfathers were in the Army. One fought in World War II, one fought in Korea. So, like, military service was big in my family. And it was something that I very greatly considered. But Don't Ask, Don't Tell is actually why I decided against it. So that's a bit of personal irony here. Um, a bit of pop culture news that's not Batwoman, when Lady Gaga wore the infamous meat dress to the VMAs, um, her dates, I'm using air quotes here, were actually soldiers and, um, you know, cadets at military academies that were actually kicked out under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And that was, wow. in part, the meeting of the meat dress was that, you know, Americans who just wanted to serve the country were treated like pieces of meat. Shit. I... I had a Lady Gaga problem for a while. Again, I have taken a lot of caffeine. So, hey man, she's an icon and a legend. Like you, you, you can't even fight that. Like so, yeah. yeah, that's fine. But I think to fully understand the magnitude of what that moment is, uh, we needed a little bit of information around that because 
in recent years, there have been a small number of fans who have been arguing that that portion should be removed from Kate's origin because it's dated. That, you know, it, it has been a long time since Don't Ask, Don't Tell was really kind of a big deal. And they're just kind of like, look, to keep her story relevant, I, you know, we think maybe it's time to move past that. I frankly disagree with that because I feel like it would subvert why she is Batwoman. Because she, Kate had this obsession to serve. Like, she wanted to do good. And in light of seeing her mother and her sister, using air quotes there, brutally murdered, like... Her father has to assemble a military squad to essentially bust them out. Like, and Jacob scoops up 12-year-old Kate and he's like, honey, don't look, don't look. And of course, Kate looks and she sees her mother's body lying there with a bag over her head. and She's been shot in the head. Like, so she wanted to serve. She wanted to do something good. And she saw West Point as her opportunity to do that. And it was ripped away from her for for nothing let's be honest here like she was kicked out for being gay that's a bullshit reason and um after she after she's kicked out she loses her way to serve and you know in elegy we see well the storyline is called elegy and the trade paperback is called elegy but it is in detective i'll be using the two interchangeably um but we see just how far kate descends um a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. Like, she is just fucked up constantly. And uh, we also see the beginnings of her relationship with Renee Montoya, who Renee pulls her over for speeding, and Kate's like, ooh, you're kind of, you know, you want to get a drink? And Renee's like, uh, I'm on duty, but here's my phone number. <laughs> oh, it, it's great. And, like, you know, we see a bits of their relationship, and Kate is really flighty. And, you know, she's constantly partying. She's trying to pressure Renee to take a day off. And Renee's like, I'm a beat cop. I can't do that. And, you know, they have this big fight. Renee walks out. And it's just, this is really one of the first times where we see Kate kind of thinking, okay, this is not sustainable. I just lost somebody I really cared about. And then around this time... <clears throat> she has uh she's walking home from a bar and it's night and uh she's trying to leave renee a voicemail and she's like look i'm sorry can we talk about this dude steps out of the alley and he's like you know phone wallet and keys give them all to me and kate's just kind of like oh hell no and she fights the dude off grabs a pipe and just starts beating him with it and she's like i'm a goddamn soldier like you know just the she find, it, it was that moment where she snapped. And it is, this has been a bit of a debate with, you know, Kate fans over the years of, was she to a point where she could have beaten that guy to death? We don't know. But this is where we see Batman jump down. And she has an encounter with Batman, who he's kind of like, you're okay, ma'am. And we're totally cousins, but we're not going to talk about that for a while. And Kate, you know, that's kind of her, you know, um, ooh, I can't really say that. I was going to say it was her come to Jesus moment, but Kate is Jewish. So um, it was it was a moment of clarity where she's like, oh, shit, this is something I could do. 
So we see her kind of do some shenanigans and Jacob finds out and he's just kind of like, sweetheart, what are you doing? And Kate's like, I'm beating people up. And, you know, Jacob helps get training, weapons, you know, they make the costume. And um, something that I think is worth pointing out is the color red is very important to Kate. Because if we look at, I believe it's, I want to say it's in Kabbalah, which is kind of like the mystical side of Judaism. Red is the color of war. You know, it's the color of you know, just kind of not aggression and not maliciousness, but it's the color of warfare. It's fighting. It's, you know, that kind of not giving up thing. And, you know, Kate is just kind of like this. This is it. This is the color. You know, she's like, I am going to serve and this is the war I will fight in. And uh, Greg Rucka, you know, who wrote this, wrote her introduction, he himself is Jewish. So, so it's not like kind of offhanded stuff like this is coming from a Jewish writer. So it's there even more emotionally, if that makes any sense. I feel like that didn't quite make sense. Oh, you did good. But so the color red is very important to Kate and Jacob pins the red bat on the front of her suit. And, you know, the heroic music, we have Batwoman. Oh. And for the rest. For the rest of Elegy, we see her personal villain step in in the form of Alice. I don't feel bad spoiling this because the TV show did it, but we find out that Alice is Gasp, her evil twin sister. Like, there's this whole scene where she goes to the doctor friend from 52 as Batwoman, and she's like, hey, can you test these blood samples? And the doctor friend's like, um, okay, scary bat person. And they come, and not only are they twins, they are identical identical twins which makes it even more hilarious <laughs> and this in a fashion leads into her 52 run um flashpoint led to a lot of retcons so <laughs> they have to essentially, a lot of retcons they have because 52 where a lot of kate's bases and lore at this point is from is completely retconned Rene montoya was retconned out of 52 <laughs> So, like, they have to try and piece shit together. So she was never stabbed in the heart. And this is actually a thing of contention among fans because some will argue that, no, she still was, yada, yada. And, like, Throw the whole New 52 into a fire. Just throw all of it into the fire. All of it. New 52 is bad. But if you study the first issues very closely, like I have, because I have a problem with this character, and he mentions two you know, to the events of 52 are in Elegy, but not, not the new 52 book. So it, it it's just hilarious that, you know, some of these big events didn't happen, but in order for the story to work, we have to kind of pretend they happened, but it doesn't make sense because it didn't happen. Like, it's not bad, it's just really messy. <clears throat> I'm not going to dive into the events of her new 52 book because it ran for over 40 issues. Um, it was the first solo series to be headlined by a, a, uh, a lesbian character, which was huge. Uh, there were controver- numerous controversies surrounding the book, and I do want to point out for the gajillionth time, um, <laughs> she was with she was with Maggie Sawyer. And um, 
at one point, Kate proposes to Maggie Sawyer. And uh, I'm a big fan of Superman, and I loved 90s Superman. And Maggie originates in Metropolis. And I don't know why she's in Gotham. Greg. Greg Brucka. Because like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure she, he's the one who put her in Gotham. And I'm kind of like, why? She was perfect. Toby was perfect. <laughs> she was Lois Lane's gay best friend. But, you know, so she's with Maggie Sawyer. And um, the creative team at the time knew that this was against a directive for the New 52. And when DC refused to allow the marriage to happen, the creative team at the time walked off the book. It was very, it, it was big news. That, you know, DC wasn't going to let the gay character leave, so the team walked off the book. <sighs> the New 52 was headed largely by Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. And there were, I'm going to ask the peanut gallery to hold their jeers for later. Um, there was a directive put through about how the books should go. Um, because it was a line-wide reboot. You know, anything from 1938 to 2010 had been wiped from continuity like yeah. it was a brand new starting point none of it ever happened so no pre-existing superhero relationships like superman and lois lane batman and catwoman aquaman and mira none of it ever happened and the line-wide directive was that superheroes could not get married because Why? superheroes couldn't be happy in their personal lives or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, to further uh, contextualize the weirdness of this line-wide rule, in Batgirl number one, we see it's an Adam Hughes cover. It's gorgeous. Barbara Gordon, in her Batgirl suit, is smiling on the cover. The writer for the book, Gail Simone, has said that that was the only time Barbara was allowed to smile on the cover. It was a very grim, dark reboot. <clears throat> and the line-wide rule was that none of the superheroes could get married. And they enforced that rule when it came to Batwoman. And the way I like to put it is that they hilariously treated a gay, char you know, a, a gay character like straight characters the one time they probably shouldn't have. Because this was around yeah. 2011, 2012, maybe 2013. I don't remember Exactly. But, you know, this is the gay marriage debate was still a very, very hot button issue. It was going state by state. Like it was. It was a push, you know, between 2008 and the Supreme Court ruling, there were a lot of marches, a lot of like really rousing speeches. Proposition 8 was a big deal in California. Like, so there was a lot happening. And it was a really bad look. And Dan DiDio has long been a proponent for all of his many other beautiful. As a consumer of DC products, I have not always been in line with Dan DiDio. Um, but he has, and this has been confirmed by numerous writers, including Gail Simone, who's kind of a fan favorite with queer readers because of her uh, aggressive inclusion of <laughs> queer characters in her own writing. But, um, you know, she herself has even said that Dan DiDio fought to keep queer characters on the shelf. Um, I went to college in Indiana University in Bloomington, 
And there were a handful of comic shops in the area. And one that I went to very briefly actually refused to put books like Batwoman and Gail's book, The Movement, on the shelf because he didn't agree with um, it didn't agree with their lifestyles. He would put it in your box if you special ordered it, but you couldn't find it on the shelves. So, like, these book books were met with uh, social pushback. And uh, needless to say, I stopped going to that comic book store. Understandable. But... It was a stupid, 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 stupid rule. But it was not a homophobic one. And a lot of people will try to throw the accusation at DC that it was a homophobic move. And it was stupid, but it wasn't. I am not the only person who will tell you that uh, Gail Simone typically goes out of her way to explain that. Because, I mean, you know, in the New 52, we also had uh, Alicia Yo, who is Barbara Gordon's best friend, who was one of, I think she may have been, like, one of the first uh, trans women in, com- in mainstream comics. I mean, obviously, you had, like, Masquerade and Blood Syndicate, which, you know, the outline for that is done, James. Um, yes. And Alicia Yeo will actually be appearing in the Batgirl movie that's filming right now. And I'm very excited about that. Um, DC's recent recent Pride book had some kick-ass moments with Alicia. Um, In the... (coughs) Now, um, allegations about certain creators aside, uh, during the Burnside run, Alicia was actually the first... um, uh, 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 I completely lost my train of thought because my brain's like this episode isn't about Alicia but I will you know I kind of I like talking about Alicia but anyway oh, uh, she got married she got married uh, first trans woman to get married in a mainstream comic it was all very exciting and you know so Alicia has that moment where she says Barbara I'm transgender and you put that in conjunction with them not letting Batwoman get married and it's all very confusing so it's a very stupid decision, but it was not a homophobic one. There are other controversies later in the book that it gets messy. After the team walked, um, writer Mark Andrego was tapped to write it. He had previously done Manhunter for DC. That's a great book. Um, the way I like to put it is that... In my personal opinion, when the original team walked, I don't, I didn't like where the book was story-wise, and um, that's kind of a minority opinion. I was be I'm really snobbish when it comes to Batwoman, but the way I like to put it is that Marco Draco was set into a burning building, told to put it out, and armed with nothing but matches and lighter fluid. There was really no way that that was going to end well. Um. They did what they could. She had fun teams up with Ragman and whatnot. And they really gave Kate kind of the supernatural side of Gotham. And I think that's a really cool place to put her. So the New 52 did a lot of really cool things when developing her character. Um, It provided a lot of, you know, the basis for uh, the first season of the CW show, which we will touch on later. Um. And what I want to touch on very briefly is that before Rebirth, we had Convergence, which was a very expensive event that I bought every issue of, including all of the tie-in books. And all, all the, the tie-in books? Convergence Yeah, I know. Fun. I have 
Um, obviously, I have all of the event books. I have numerous variants. I have every single tie-in book. of Because, you know, there were a couple dozen two-issue... Couple dozen two issue tie in books. I have all of those. I have a lot, a lot of variants for some of them, and I have all of the trade paperbacks um, for the series and the tie in books. And Victoria almost left me. I'm fairly certain. Oh no, she she didn't actually, but like she did not like Convergence. But Greg Rucka came back to write uh, Convergence: The Question. You know Renee Montoya, where you know Kate comes back and it's pre-flashpoint kate renee and helena bertinelli huntress because huntress and renee is the question they team up for a while and so it's the three of them doing some shenanigans and <laughs> we greg does he throws us some kate and renee scraps and at one point kate's trying to give renee cpr and renee just turns it into a full-on kiss and kate's like i thought you were fucking dead and renee's like the shit i will do to get you to kiss me again and i'm like oh my god this is so cute (laughs) i mean uh, convergence really had no massive effect on either the new 52 or rebirth continuities um it was a massive initiative where we, you know, we, uh, where they published characters that hadn't been published in decades and some characters who might never be published again. It was from all different time periods. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. If you go into it and you have a lot of fun, and if you're a fan of Warlord for some reason, it is great. I have a very long history with Warlord. It's, it's complicated. And this catches us up to Rebirth. Um, This was her second solo run. It's fairly standard as new runs go. It wasn't in the initial Rebirth release. Uh, It came a few months later. It ran for about 18 issues. Um, She gets some big developments later. It was written by Marguerite Bennett, who, a queer woman herself, is also the sole writer for the legendary series known as Bombshells, DC Comics Bombshells. Um, it's a thing that exists. I will not touch on it because we will be here for several hours. James, I do have an outline written for Bombshells if you are just so interested in addressing that. I mean, I did read the first volume and it was freaking amazing, so I'd be down for that. Travis, I think you'll like it. It's the DC women in their pinup costumes fighting World War II. Dude, how many issues? A lot. Um, over fifty. Oh, but, not- but 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 they're like they're they're like digital exclusive issues. So like they're short, but there's a lot of them. There's also print releases because they uh, did a digital exclusive release where it was a chapter a week. And then after three weeks, those three chapters would be uh, released in a single issue. And then, you know, they turned it into trades, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I can give you the hookups, Travis, because it is it is absolutely insane. Um, It's a world where Amanda Waller and Wonder Woman agree on things. Let me put it to you this way, Travis. Um, Batwoman, Wonder Woman, Vixen, Hot Girl, and Catwoman are fighting giant Nazi mechs. Dude. Like, it's, (laughs) it's literally, like, and it was around the time where Beyonce put out Lemonade. And Vixen gives Batwoman a 
batch because she's a 40s baseball player because puns and says that the bat is called hot sauce and it turns into a rocket launcher. That's how ridiculous this book is. Um, So, oh yeah, no, it's great. I have an outline written. Um, In the outline, I also counted there are more queer characters than straight characters. Because Marguerite Bennett looks at the entire... Go ahead. Uh, Marguerite Bennett looked at the entire DC lineup, pulled out all of the women, and said, most of you are now queer. And uh, it, it works. It works so well. But, but Mary, I, ju- yeah. I just want my fully gay men bombshells. Can we have that? See, like, that, that, is, fully- that is my response to bombshells, is that we need to do another alternate universe where it's a bunch of of men in their bombshells costumes because a lot of the guys had their own bombshells costumes mm-hmm. variant statues and everything I'm actually looking I mean, at my I'm actually looking at my sexy Aquaman bombshell statue like do you know how funny it would be if like someone just gave us the vindication and like just kind of like, like like gave um like Frederick Wortham the finger and made Robin old enough that like Batman and Robin can be gay but it not be weird and we just like go with it and then we have more of more gay characters and it's just awesome like it's like the new Fire Island movie but better like we just <laughs> make it fully turned up but Marguerite Bennett sat back in, you know, the cha- you know wherever she writes, she sat back in her chair and went, I'm going to give the gays everything they want. But that about concludes it for Kate's main continuity appearances. Some other noticeable non-canon appearances. She was a central character in Bombshells. She was a supporting character throughout all five years of the original Injustice run. It ends about as well as you could expect for her. She makes it till the end. and. Um, Tom Taylor, sweetheart, honey, sweetie, darling, we really need to talk about how you look at lesbian drama. Um, but you know, it, it, it's pretty. <laughs> um, the animated movie, uh, Batman Bad Blood, or Bat Blood, as I like to jokingly call it at times, uh, she is a main character in that. Um, and most recently in Catwoman Hunted, uh, she and Selina team up, which granted really has no comic history. One of the first time, you know, the few times they've run across each other, they're actually, you know, have a lot of animosity towards each other. Um, in Rebirth, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, there is the manslaughter team up where you have a bunch of the DC women gathering together to basically fight a bunch of rad femmes who are trying to kill um you know, they're turfs and they're trying to kill every, um, you know, non, I'm using air quotes. Well, what do they call it? Adult human females, the kind of turf bullshit. Um, so basically they got to team up and fight that shit. And Selena and Kate are kind of like criminal. Selena's like douchebag. And that's about the extent of their thing. Um, the biggest Batwoman simp in DC comics is Harley Quinn herself. Um, she's run across Harley and Ivy multiple times and Harley always finds time to sit for her but in Catwoman Hunted she teams up with Selina because the creative team wanted to highlight Selina's bisexuality so they used Batwoman instead of Batman and they have a couple flirty scenes I mean really it doesn't come to much of anything but you know they've, they've got a couple of scenes where it's a little flirty and I think it's just a lot of fun um so this takes us to Batwoman on the CW. 
Um, Kate was introduced in the Elseworlds crossover series. Um, I did cry like a bitch. I really, really did cry like a bitch. Uh, because I have a rather tumultuous history with Batwoman myself. Um, I, I suppose I'm going to put a bit of a content warning here. I do want to touch on it a little bit because this is a very personal topic for me. Um, a, a bit of a content warning here for, you know, the unaliving attempts, as, you know, the youths like to say on TikTok. But so skip ahead or check out if you are sensitive to that. Um, are you guys going to be okay if I talk about it? Go for it. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, when I was in middle school, I was forced out of the closet. Um, basically, somebody found out I was gay. We came back from winter break. The entire school knew I was gay. Um, you know, this being, you know, the, the Bush administration. Let me just put it to you that way. I was Ooh. jumped. I was jumped by a handful of girls after school. Got dragged out behind the school, beaten, stepped on. Somebody had a lighter, I think. I still have a very small burn patch uh, on my stomach. Um, but it it was not a fun time, and I had to walk home. And uh, I went upstairs and told my parents that I did not feel well, and I didn't come out of my room for like a full day or so. And you know, after the fact, when my parents finally did find out about it years later, they felt awful. And I'm just kind of like, no, I was just really good at hiding it. And eventually, it all got to be too much. And I had a steel beam in my closet that, you know, where I put the hangers, it was very solid. So I got a, got a scarf and, you know, tried to do that. Uh, I woke up on the floor in my room a few hours later, having lost consciousness. I have no idea what happened. I really have no idea what happened. And the next day, I, I with my best friend at the time, Johnny, uh, he is also gay, so we we kind of like went through that together and we spent a lot of time at the library and the library had both trades and single issues and this is where i came across 52 week 11 for the first time which is kate's first air quotes here appearance as batwoman um in an editing error we actually see batwoman in issue nine but that's more a bit of trivia than anything else and as I'm reading this, you know, superhero who I'm slowly finding out is a lesbian. You know, I'm in the public library in the middle of downtown in the young adult section, and I fucking lose it. I just start losing it. You know, it wasn't my first look at queer superheroes because, you know, there was Gotham Central. And Renee is outed in Gotham Central and it ruins her life and it fucking terrified me. Um, you know, sure, Outsiders was a cute little thing, but you know, it comes much later in the book. And mm-hmm. it's just seeing this one moment was so powerful. I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel powerless because, you know, this is a person and like, you know, sure, she's a tall, gorgeous billionaire, and I'm like, what, what 13? But it, it, you don't feel alone. You can look at this and kind of go, oh my god, I can be more. And it's just, I cried a lot of tears that day. And John, 
God love him sat down next to me, pulled me in his arms, and he just let me cry. And I I never tried again. It, it was it was easier after that. I mean, you know, the the comments, the teasing, the occasional slaps, and whatever it it, it didn't really lessen, but it got easier to handle. And you know, when I like when when I say that Batwoman saved my life. I'm not joking when I say that. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Like, that is how transformative of a character this was for me. And uh, that's why I cling to her so hard. Like, yes, I'm just a big a fan as Wonder Woman, but Batwoman is something so goddamn special for me. And, like, yeah, I know it was the CW, and yeah, it had standard CW effects, but seeing Batwoman in live action on TV, seeing that costume and the batterings, everything, you know, I am, what, 28 at the time? I fucking lost it. And, you know, Victoria's just kind of like, are you know, because we paused it, because, you know, you can do the whole pause live TV thing. And, like, mm-hmm. we paused it, and Victoria just kind of looks at me, and she goes, babe, are you okay? And I'm just, I am just sobbing my eyes out. And Victoria stands up. She walks over to where I'm sitting. And she just holds me and just lets me cry. Because I felt 13 in that moment. Like, I felt like I was crying the same tears at that point that I was all those years ago. And, you know, I do like to make the joke that if I ever do meet Greg Rucka, I will fucking lose it and just sob hysterically. I won't be able to ask for an autograph. I'm just going to be standing you know, sitting there just, like, rocking back and forth, sobbing hysterically. And I get the feeling that I will not have been the first lesbian to do that. Um, I've had little uh, chats with him over the years, you know, via uh, before he left Twitter, he was on there. We'd chat every so often, uh, little things. And he seems like a very wonderful individual. There was a, a thing with Supergirl a few years ago, and, you know, he sent me some fun stuff after that. and. I, I, I owe that man, I think, more than he will ever know. And I owe this character everything. So that's why the obsession is there. That's why I am currently looking at the $500 Batwoman statue that I have. That sideshow statue, um, they made the mistake of having a payment plan. And <laughs> when we saw the payment plan, Victoria just went, motherfucker. And... Um, she likes to call it Bat-Hemoth. Uh, I have every printed... Bat-Hemoth. James, this thing's like three feet tall. The base alone is a good ten pounds. Like, this thing, is, this thing is intense. And we got the deluxe edition, too. And that, like, it was an extra ten dollars, and she has just has different hands. But, no, this is an honest-to-God statue. Like, yeah, you've got the ones you can get for, like, $150, $200, but, like, if you look at it too hard, they're going to snap an arm. Like, this is insane quality. But I have every printed appearance that Batwoman has ever made. I have a $30 comic box that is thick plastic that has little snaps at the top. Um, Like, this thing is intense. I stubbed my toe on it, and I was afraid that I broke it. But um, that's my Batwoman box. Everything is in my light twos with fullback boards, which in the bag and board world essentially means it's like bulletproof. I have actually dunked a sealed my light two in water just to see what happened. And yeah, so it's pretty, it's uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I have a Batwoman problem. I have 
um, all of the ridiculous variants from uh, do, 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 from like the new 52 because they did the uh, incentive steampunk variants. I have the Batwoman steampunk variant. Like um, her rebirth book had a uh, silver holographic variant uh, at WonderCon, and I got one of those off eBay. I have a rebirth book that uh, again supergirl thing i don't really want to go into that right now but uh dc was dope uh, clark at dc social media manager he was super dope i have a copy of batwoman rebirth signed by marguerite bennett james tyne in the fourth and kyler lee of supergirl she played alex um so this is kind of where the batwoman obsession comes from i'm sorry to take such a like it was only meant to be a few seconds, but it kind of turned into a like a personal moment. No, you're good. So, you, hey man, you you you. I'm, I'm gonna be like thanking you, crying next week for Snagglepuss. So like, get oh, your your time in now, because like when Travis hears that story, I'm gonna be a mess. But um, so seeing Kate in the Elseworlds thing, and I'm not really talking about, I'm just talking about seeing Kate in the costume, and seeing her do all the cool shit, like yes, it was cheesy, but god damn it, there she is you know, there she is because, you know, when the CW did a trailer, and it was, you know, for all the shows and then they're like, and a new hero comes and, you know, they (laughs) throw up all the Batwoman stuff, and I'm sitting in the car and Victoria and I are watching it on my phone and I freaked the hell out because they're just showing Kate's comic things. And even Victoria's like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and so when they, that was when they announced that uh, Kate was going to be in uh, Elseworlds. And then from Elseworlds, we segue into uh, the Batwoman CW show. The first season is about Kate. Um, the pilot is basically Elegy. Like the first six or seven episodes lead up to the Elseworlds crossover. And um, through the first season, we come to the CW's massive event crisis on Infinite Earth, where they pull in actors from pretty much the dawn of time, from different museums, you know, other TV shows, film actors, problematic film actors. Uh, (laughs) I'm actually still impressed that, you know, they got someone that big from, you know, the Justice League movie. But um, there that's a lot of controversy there that I don't think we need to touch on right now. Um, <laughs> you know, Batwoman was played by Ruby Rose, who was a recognizable queer actress. Um, then that blew up after the first season. I find out that she actually almost died while recording. She was, uh, there were a lot of injuries. Um, Ruby left the show for an unspecified number of reasons, ranging from her injuries to she was quote, difficult to work with, or she needed more, she wanted more money. There was a lot there that happened behind the scenes and that more or less ended Kate's tenure on the show. The cowl was then passed to Ryan Wilder. Um, I'm not a fan of Ryan specifically for the fact that they made up a character for the show. When, if you look at the comics, there were, you know, a a handful of characters that could have taken over the mantle. Um, The biggest, they could have introduced Bet Kane, uh, who is the uh, modern version of Betty Kane, who was Kathy Kane's niece. And so she's Kate's first cousin. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, she, if you look at, you know, Kate's comic book history, she is, there are two likely successors in my mind to the Batwoman mantle. One of them is Bet or Bet or Betty. And the other is Cass Kane for a myriad of reasons. But um, I, I think my um, confusion is that Javicia Leslie, the actress that played Ryan, um, very, very talented, but we're just coming off of Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm just kind of sitting here like, why couldn't she have just been an alternate version of Kate? That, you know, given that Alice is the big villain of the show and Alice's big obsession in both the comics and the TV show is Kate. Because, you know, Kate got to have the normal non-crazy villain life, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it would have been a really cool plot point to see Alice have to deal with Kate, but a version of her sister that she doesn't know. You know, so how do you justify all of those feelings? And I think it could have been really cool dynamics. But then they made up a character for the show and gave her a bunch of Batman villains and used Sophie instead of Renee Montoya because Renee was going to be in Birds of Prey. But plot twist, they brought back Victoria Cartagena from Gotham to be Renee and... I don't know the Bet Kane stand-in character Mary Hamilton becomes Poison Ivy. I don't know what happened. Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> unfortunately, because you know, and I do give Ryan credit that you know she is a black lesbian superhero with a solo show. Um, again, just just take everything, all of the actor, you know, just just, just take all of it and just like, I think. You know, seeing what I, I haven't seen all of the rest of the show, but I've seen enough of it to have a really good idea of Javicia Leslie as an actress. She would have been a killer Kate Kane. Like, she would have killed it. And I feel like it is just a major lost opportunity. But uh, not- that is my rant. Uh, unfortunately, the show, I know they brought, brought Kate back and kind of did like a Jason Todd thing for a little while, and it was, uh, you know, an actor actress who can like fuck off and die because like she said some turfy shit and uh oh really yeah yeah we don't uh we don't abide by that shit here no god no nope nope (laughs) so nope yeah we we just like the three of us just want to take all the turfs in the comic community and just push them all off a cliff you know just free vacation to the grand canyon but um unfortunately for just everything the show has been canceled um for studio space yeah oh for studio space for studio space um it's just kind of like a you have to like kind of rub your temples at the cw like at least it was a big axe because they fucking canceled riverdale like don't worry so- kids we're getting not night soon Oh, that's gonna be awful. <laughs> oh god. And see, I am a massive proponent of CW shows because I grew up very low income. So broadcast television superhero shows were what I had. And you know, you have a lot of people yelling and screaming that they should only be like prestige dramas on like streaming services or what have you. Like, sure, we can make fun of the budget, we can make fun of the writing, but I think low income kids deserve to have the same access to superheroes as everybody else can you imagine black lightning or the flash or even green fucking arrow how many low-income kids have been able to you know turn on you know basic 
antenna television. You know, I, I think they use digital antennas now, actually. Yeah. But like, how cool would that be? Because the first thing I did on Saturday morning, like I would turn on the WB and like, you know, Fox Kids Entertainment. And like, it meant so much. But the Legion of Superheroes was iconic for me as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people like to give the CW crap, but I am a proponent for broadcast TV superhero shows, and you can fucking fight me on it. Because when I was a kid, we didn't have the money. You know, we didn't have cable for most of my childhood. I don't think I I was a teenager by the time we got cable. Like, so that is something I am very passionate about is accessibility because, you know, we didn't have money. So I read comic books at the library and I watched TV shows on broadcast. Uh, you know, and I watch superhero shows on broadcast TV, like, and, you know, it, it bugs me because a lot of people who are arguing that we should pull superhero shows off broadcast benefited from broadcast superhero shows themselves, you know, X-Men, the animated series, Batman, the animated series, like, <sighs> anyway, that is a rant that um, is for another time that is not this, um, but we're uh, wrapping up here. Uh, Kate has made uh, a number of appearances since her Rebirth uh, solo book cancellation. We can't touch on each one because they've a lot of little sporadic appearances. Nothing of, like, I'm using air quotes here, major consequence, you know. Um, but it's really good to see that so many writers are still putting her in everywhere because Kate is a fan favorite character and she's a creator favorite character, too. Um just you know pre pre-order the books please thank you um but something i do want to flex on in the end of kate's rebirth book marguerite bennett um just like spoke to me directly and said okay well we're gonna tease kate and renee getting back together because the last two issues they got to team up and it's super cute and in the end it kind of looks like they're getting back together you know they're planning some shit plot twist that didn't last but uh your girl right here. I own the original page for that scene. Um, <laughs> Flex dear it Laura, on ass. Dear friend Laura sent me the link. The artist he only did mono prints, and a mono print is a singular print. He keeps the original pages. I, uh, Fernando Blanco. He keeps the original pages. Um, and a singular print is made. So when I say original page, I mean mono print. Functionally, they're the same thing. There is no other print of this page in existence. I have the only one. Uh, it was a lot of money. Oh, no. It was a Christmas gift from Victoria. Uh, um, uh, a uh, at uh, Batwoman NYC on Twitter. She's a very dear friend of mine. Um, she got the dope Scarecrow cover mono print. Like. Ooh. They were, it was amazing. I have it. I'm looking at it right now. I love it. Thank you, Laura. I'm pretty sure Victoria hates you for that now. Um, <laughs> but if, you know, you are relatively new to Batwoman, or if you want to explore more, I have two articles on uh, on our website, Comics Unmasked, where I did a Batwoman reading list and a top 10 Batwoman moments. They are the top 10 to me and potentially no one else. So, you know, we will be um, retweeting those on Twitter. I will put them on mine. Um, I wrote them, so I think they're fun. But just kind of giving you an in-depth look at Batwoman. Um, I know this is a lot. I know I've thrown a lot of at you. There were some pop culture and political tangents thrown in for, you know, greater exposition. 
I, I hope this has been worth your time and I hope that, you know, you've either enjoyed us talking about Kate or, you know, had an awful time and are currently not listening right now. Anyway, uh, I desperately need a drink of water. So why don't you guys talk about Kate for a minute? I am absolutely putting you on the spot. I'll go for it. Uh, Because honestly, for me, when I was a kid, I remember reading 52 for the first time, and I was already a big fan of the question from back in the day with Dennis Cowan. So reading 52 and seeing Kate appear, it was like, oh, we're adding another dimension to this universe and giving people... like what they want and granted i i wouldn't even come out for like a long time later and we're gonna talk about that next week but in general like after like not only reading kate for so long and what's crazy was um i i remember when um like that nightwing dynamic was happening during the grant morrison era and I, i always loved that relationship so much and it, 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 it's very sad it's not even a thing anymore because it was it was Dick who made her a part of the family. Like, yeah, in, in Rebirth, there's the whole thing where, like, where Bruce approaches Kate. But no, like, Dick forged that first. And that was very meaningful that, like, the legacy approached the family. In a, in a really cool way for me. So that's what, that's what, that's what meant a lot to me. And granted, James Hyde of the Fourth did a great thing with the first half of his run of Detective, where, like, he formed the family and then made Kate do a villain, which... That is a moment of furious debate. I... Damn. Kate did nothing. Like, it was rude, but... I support why she did it. I I, lo- I love how we live in a universe where you say that, but then your favorite bat girl walks up to her and rips the bat symbol off of her chest. Like, and Cassandra was well within her right to do it. Kate yeah. violated the bat tenets. She sniped Clayface because Cassandra would not have gotten away. And Tim does the ambivalent, we find another way. It's like, okay, please tell me how you were going to do that. Cass was standing right next to him. He was seconds away from turning back into Clayface. And Kate Cass was willing to go exactly, down for it. That's the thing, though. But, but Kate knew exactly what she was doing. This is somebody that she had been mentoring up till this point. This is someone she cared about very deeply. Would you sit there and watch that girl die? Just I feel like this is what, I, I feel like this is what James Tynan wanted us to do. This is yeah, what James you know. Tynan wanted us to do is fight like this. She she does have military training to call back on in moments of high stress like this. So it's more of a reflex for her just to pull the trigger to begin with. Right. But like it was it was just so nuts. That like dead. We we oh, still really? we, we still no, like, we, we, we still, we, still haven't so seen, we haven't seen him since he hasn't been he's anywhere been, since we haven't seen wait Basil's he, back uh, no he pops up at the very end of the run and he's like walking away like he well yeah we saw him walking away but we haven't seen Basil Carlo in canon for like years now because of that book because he walked away from it like it was the open door that he'd been wanting. And, like, yes, he was working with Cass on her speech. She was reciting entire things from Shakespeare. And, yeah, she cared about Clayface so much. But uh, the, one of the reasons why I like Kate 
and um, we see it earlier before. You know, Kate's not a Kate doesn't have Batman's aversion to firearms. She absolutely does not. Um, she also doesn't have necessarily the same rules regarding killing. It's very much akin to Wonder Woman, where she will. It, it, she is not above it, but she will only do it if it is absolutely necessary. And I see Kate shooting Clayface no different than I see Wonder Woman snapping Maxwell Lord's neck. Because Ooh, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Made, oh. Because, and I'm going to take it even a step further. Uh, you know, like Wonder Woman, she is a woman having to carry the emotional labor and the emotional trauma of ending a life so the men don't have to because wonder woman sacrificed everything to keep superman from a destroying the planet and keep superman's morality intact and kate knew exactly what she was doing because she did the one thing bruce never did she yo she protected one of them because yeah. where was Bruce when Jason was killed? Oh, you, if you juxtapose Bruce and Jason versus Kat versus Kate and Cass, like look at that. Kate did the mm. one thing, and she's upset and she's heartbroken and she hates herself for it. She does not regret it. And Barbara Gordon body slams every other member of the Bat family for it. <laughs> Yo, like, so, like, like, yo, 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 I, I, I should have said this during my interview with Tate, but like James Tynan before, if you ever want to come on the show and, and listen to me and Mary rant about your run, like, please, like, please come because, because the, the, we, we, like, good ranting. Unfortunately, it's good ranting, I think, but... unfortunately, I think it had the opposite effect of what intended to, because a lot of, uh, larger bat fans who had never really experienced much of kate before it turned a lot of them against her because she was very yeah. popular in she was very popular leading up to all, all of that and then that happened and it turned a lot of you know you know um casual bat fans you know the ones that stick to the central bat books but don't really go out beyond that turned a lot of them against her very quickly and i can argue these points because i do have an obsessive knowledge of Kate and her morality and why she does things. Because, you know, back to what Travis said about her having combat training, Kate even makes a point. She's like, look, if I were a soldier, I would have gotten a medal for that shot. Like, you know, I did it to protect her. And I think if anybody would have protected Cass's ability to hate Kate for it, it would have been Kate herself. And I appreciate that in the weird trial of Batwoman... Uh, where Bruce gathers up everyone but Kate and Cass, because Cass is emotionally too close to the situation, uh, to essentially put Kate on trial in absentia uh, to see if they're going to cast her out of the bat <laughs> or not. And Barbara's kind of like, oh my god, you were all fucking stupid. And Tim's <laughs> like, no, but the Belfry was going to work. And Barbara's like, Tim, I love you. You're an idealistic teenager, and we both know it was never going to work. Bruce knows it was never going to work. Bruce is quiet, and Tim's like, You guys fucking suck. Man, I, I, love, man. I, love, I love Jason because he's like, Kate and I are kind of like the black sheep over here, so we're fine. And Barbara's like, Jason, shut the fuck up. You're right, but for the wrong reasons. And Kate and Barbara have a fantastic friendship, and I love, love it very deeply. Um, Friendship. What do you? What do you mean? What? What? what did, did you forget about I dated to, to Grayson? Did, did you forget about that? 
Oh, why did you? That, you had to. Do, you had to do that to me. Kate Kane, ousted from the military for being gay, watched her mother and sisters, sort of, get murdered horribly. And Kate's like, and Barbara goes, oh, "Why am I, I bad, girl? Why are you bad woman?" And Kate's like, "Have you been to war? I've been to war." And she's like, "War? I dated Dick Grace, and it's awful. It is awful." To, to be totally fair, to be totally fair. <laughs> It is a certain kind of warfare to have sex with someone and then hand them an invitation to your wedding. Someone has inflicted damage oh. upon you. <laughs> At least Cass beat the shit out of him for it. And, uh, well, like, and it, also, uh, like, to be fair, like, yeah, he, he did that to happen. But, um, yo, Travis, how do you feel about Batwoman as we wrap up this episode? Yeah, we're spiraling. The casual. So for me, it was more so like just learning about Mary. And thank you for that opportunity, by the way. No. Uh, but that's that was kind of it for me. I got to learn a lot about Batwoman and Mary. I just don't really read her, but I do know Elegy is the one I need to read if I ever decide to. Yes. Yes. There's actually a great collection. It's Batwoman by by Rucka. Um, it collects um, Elegy, the issues of Elegy and the entire detective run. So everything you would need is right there. Um, for me, that would be kind of what I like to call the Rucka effect, where a character's introduction is their most critically acclaimed story. <laughs> All but, right. Uh, that was a really awesome episode. Um, Mary, since you led the episode, what's your closing um, statement for all this? Travis, you got something? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I actually have to make a quick dip. Uh, my baby mom was calling me. What's your closing statement? Uh, read Batwoman. It's awesome shit. Mary's the shit. That's why I like Aww. it. All right. Fair enough. All right. Um, <laughs> later, y'all. Um, um, my closing what's your statement. Closing um, it's a bit of an emotional thing because we talked about Batwoman, my personal history. And it is Pride Month. And I just want to talk to kind of listeners directly. If you are, you know, still coming to terms with your sexuality, if you're not out, if you are unsure, I I say this, you know, I I was outed rather violently at 13. I am now 30 years old. I am married uh, to a woman who sort of tolerates my existence. Um, (laughs) But um, take it in your own time. Like, yes, it gets better sounds cheesy, but it does. It doesn't happen right away, but it, 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 it does. And you're strong, and I know you're strong, and you aren't alone. Like, and it's not even if it's comic books, if it's TV, find comfort in what you can. Like, don't feel guilty about liking a piece of representation or anything like that. And come out when you are ready, when you want to. Don't feel like you have to do it when you're uncomfortable. Like, you take it at your own time. No one knows you better than you. And you have an amazing community you know if you're listening to this and you have social media you know reach out you know even to me or to james even to travis like we can give you some great recommendations but take it at your own time your own pace the only person you need to make comfortable is you 
And if you are teetering towards the brink, there are things available. Um, the Trevor Project is a suicide hotline. Uh, trans Lifeline is a suicide hotline for trans people. I guess that was self-explanatory with the name. But there are resources available to you. And I, I know what that pain feels like. And it's hard. And I know it is. But you're worth it. And you are beautiful. And you are strong. And I hope that even if it's not Batwoman, if it's someone else, I hope you find the strength in comics that I found in her. So you are loved. Happy Pride. Like, you've got this. Oh, God. Oh, that was so good. Um, I'm a mess. I'm going to be a mess next week, too. But God damn it. Thank you, sis. You're, you're the Bob. Um, my closing statement is, I don't know if I can top that, but I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I should. Um, but that, like, just make sure you are pre-ordering your books as always, because the, you never know when a good story like that is going to come out that, that could matter to you. Um, hell, I, I literally like there, well, I, I went to go get my books yesterday and there was a queer couple that walked into the store looking for, for DC Pride, and I just, like, I, I already had one in my hand because I grabbed mine, and I handed them theirs, and it was just, like, you never know when, the like, like a story can yes. matter to somebody. So, yes. like, please. Like, and if you're looking yeah. for things, if you're looking for things like DC Pride, um, Marvel has Pride books. I'm not as big of a fan as Marvel. Um, but another book you can go digging for is Love is Love. It was published by IDW in conjunction with DC Comics, and it was a charity book in, in the aftermath of the Pulse shooting in Orlando a number of years ago. Um, DC licensed the use of their characters for it. So um, if you just need something to hold on to and want to feel... It's a hard book. It never should have had to have been made. But it's powerful. It's there. And it is just a celebration of queer life and mourning the loss. And yeah, it's something to look for. Um, I'm, I, I'm rambling because I'm emotional. So we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> you know, you're good. Um, don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. Spotify, Amazon Music and Audible, Pandora, all those great places. Make sure that you subscribe to the show. That way you get notified when new episodes are going to be coming out. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That way you know when new episodes are dropping. We put multiple teasers out about this episode that is dropping the day of recording. So make sure that you do listen to that to, to it because it is amazing. And get ready for Monday because we will be having our bon our first bonus episode, our first Friday annual, where I'm going to be gushing because uh, one of my favorite writers is, is coming on the show again. Um, but just stay strong because the world may seem dark, but we only going to get through it together. So keep it tight. Um, we will catch you folks right here next time on Panel 2 Panel. Peace out. Peace out.